0: Welcome to the Language Games Podcast. My name is John Kaus, and today is Part 7 of our Defending Young Earth Creation series. We conclude this series by discussing the reason why so many Christian academics reject the Young Earth position, and that reason is simply science. Yes, science demands that we affirm an old earth. Science has spoken loud and clear. One of the things I appreciate about Dembski's book is he openly admits this bias. In the foreword to the book. Mark Fitzmaurice writes, It is natural for me to opt for a plain reading of the Bible. The Young Earth perspective, therefore, seemed to me the only viable approach to anyone who took the Bible seriously. I was not coaxed away from a plain reading of Genesis by theological arguments, by so called liberals or higher critics. I was compelled by the scientific evidence. There it is. The scientific evidence compelled Mark to reject a Young Earth reading. The text's plain reading should be rejected because the scientific evidence is compelling. Dembski says much of the same. Until the last two or three centuries, the first chapters of Genesis seem to make perfect sense as both theology and history. In this traditional reading of Genesis, God creates a good world in a short period of time, six 24-hour days. But first we need to see why the tr- traditional view that all evil, both moral and natural, traces back to human sin used to seem Eminently plausible. The short answer is that Genesis used to be read as plain history. Christian apologist R.C. Sproul describes his own 11th hour conversion from Old Earth to Young Earth creationism. Even so, many of Sproul's evangelical colleagues are reluctant to follow him in this conversion. Why? One thing and one thing alone science. I myself would adopt it in a heartbeat except that nature seems to present such strong evidence against it. Yes, nature seems to present. Why does Dembski reject the plain reading? Because nature presents evidence against it. But nature does not present any such evidence. A fossil does not tell us its age, nor a star its history. Old earthers like Dembski, and especially Hugh Ross, tend to equivocate constantly between the witness in nature and the witnesses in Scripture, as if they are epistemologically the same, but they're not. For example, they'll use terms like book of nature, or nature presents truths to us that are plain. And the truths they're referring to is the inferences they make from staring at stars or rock layers or what have you. Nature is a book like the Bible, and we need to read both books accurately. Presenting the, situ- the situation in this way is highly effective rhetorically. Fallacies often are persuasive, but they are fallacies nonetheless. And this is fallacious. So let's look at this. Read both books accurately. Two equivocations are happening in this statement. The term read and the term book are both used in two different senses, but you're not told that they are. But if we separate these out, the first sense is reading the Bible, right? The second, so the first sense of read is in terms of reading the Bible, and the first sense of book is what, are, what we normally call books, okay, written in human language. Collection of words expressing our ideas written in human language. The second sense of read and the second sense of books is completely different than that. You do not go out and read a rock. You can't pick up a rock and read its history. You can't stare at stars that are that are twinkling in the sky and get the origin of those stars and, and its history. The reading, if you want to call it that, is completely different than reading scripture or reading any book for that matter. And the book of nature, if you want to call it that, is clearly different than The Bible being a book. But they don't tell you that. Okay, they don't tell you that. But it is a clear difference. And when we look at this, the book of nature, in terms of these observations that they're talking about, is not plain. At all is not plain. But the book of the Bible is on many many of these issues. And that's the heart of the problem with the old earthers. It's an epistemology problem. They are taking their non-plain inferences from nature and exalting them to the same status of plainness that exists in the text of Scripture. But their inferences from nature are not plain, not even close. They claim that God's revelation is their ultimate authority, yet they reject this commitment when looking at their own scientific research. But hey, I thought God revealed some truths as plain in nature. Yes, of course, plenty of them. And guess what? They all agree with the plain teachings in Scripture. When we, refer, when we refer to plain truths in nature, we are referring to truths like this is my hand, the earth, exists, uh, the earth is greater than 1, 100 years old, and so on. And you can get thousands of these examples. And of course, the, and, we, and we gave some of these in the Wittgenstein and Apologetics series. And of course, the truth that undergirds all of these natural truths is that God exists. Romans tells us that God's existence is plain and clear to every human being. So, yes, there are many natural truths that are communicated to us. Evolutionary theory and old earth history, old earth cosmology, geological history, put it all together, is not plain at all. All right, so when we look at this then, you wonder, well, gosh, I mean, doesn't—wouldn't Dembski—doesn't he see that these things aren't, aren't plain? Yes, in a moment of weakness, he says as much. He says, unfortunately, scientific—he's referring to why his argument is being rejected. He presents an argument in the book, The Design of Life with Jonathan Wells, and it's rejected by most scientists— Which makes you wonder, well, then shouldn't we reject it, your argument? Because, hey, it's against the science, after all. And he says, unfortunately, scientific research can be suitably slanted to support just about anything. Wait, wait, wait. I thought the science was clear. You know, it has spoken, it's communicated this to you, and you just can't get away from it. You just have to accept it. We all must bow down and change our interpretation of Scripture accordingly. Of course, that's absurd, because it's not plain, and Dembski here admits it. Van Til writes, The first point of importance to note is that the revelation in Scripture must be made our starting point. It is only in the light of the Protestant doctrine of Scripture that one can obtain also Protestant doctrine of the revelation of God in nature. The light of Scripture is that superior light which lightens every other light. It is also the final light. The question is not whether the teachings of Scripture are in accord with the facts of science, as science is often understood. This is not complicated. Christians have acted this way, epistemologically, for thousands of years. The Bible is the inerrant word of God. Where it teaches, where its teachings are plain, it must be followed without question, no matter what someone else presents against it. God's word is authoritative over man's experience. Period. But what about science? Science. What about it? What do you even mean by this term? Science says this. Science says that. This is nonsense. Science says nothing. Science is not a being. It has no mind. Now, if by science you mean the majority opinion of scientists in a certain field, then fine. We can use that as our definition of science. So the objection is something like, The majority of scientists in astronomy interpret the history of the universe in a way contrary to the young earth interpretation of Genesis. And you Christians are following this interpretation, this young earth interpretation, over the majority opinion of astronomers. Well, when you put it this way, it is obvious what Christians should do. Affirm God's word, of course. These scientists are not God, and it should not surprise us that given their secular assumptions, they come to a different history of the universe than that revealed in God's word. But why should we care about this difference? Scientifically, a virgin birth is absurd, as is the resurrection. And most scientists in the world will reject these biblical teachings on so-called scientific grounds. Are we then to give up these doctrines as well? Of course not. But then, to, do, to be consistent uh, epistemologically, we must reject the majority of scientists who disagree with the young earth position. Why? Because it's plainly taught in the Bible, as are these other Uh, doctrines. The issue has nothing to do with what the Bible teaches, that that should be obvious by now. The issue is Christians are exalting secular scientific opinion above God's word in their knowledge. But wait, can't science change exegesis in some examples? Yeah, sure. Yes, the majority of scientific opinion is relevant in modifying, modifying our exegesis when the Bible is not plain. Or you might say even just completely undecided. For example, the Bible makes no real statement to whether there are new stars still coming into existence from the explosion of other stars, or whether the Earth is the center of the universe. Is the Bible consistent? Is the Bible consistent with the proposition that there are new stars being formed from the explosion of other stars? Yes, but is also consistent with its denial. The Bible is consistent with the earth being the center of the universe and with the universe having no center. And you can multiply this likely to thousands of other examples where the Bible is unclear and so science can inform our interpretation. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay, but what about the the Copernican revolution? You know, that time when the church was conquered by science, when the Bible had to give way, our interpretation had to give way because science had spoken. Dembski writes, Psalm 93 states that the earth is established forever and cannot be moved. A face value interpretation of Psalm 93 seems to require geocentrism, and yet young earth creationists accept the Copernican revolution. Let's look at the text here. The Lord reigneth. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength, wherewith he hath girded himself. The world also established that it cannot be moved. Dembski is arguing that this passage on its face seems to present plainly that the earth is the center of the solar system in the same way that doctrines one through seven were shown to be plain in in the previous sessions. But this is another false comparison by Dembski. Obviously, Psalm 93.1 is not referring to the place of the earth in relation to the sun by the firmness, but to the firmness of the earth under our feet, which is a completely natural way to speak of the earth. We assume this firmness constantly as we walk. This verse has nothing to do with whether the earth is the center of the solar system. But what about Christians in the past who interpreted this passage as plainly teaching geocentrism? They were wrong. Just read the wording. It is not my opinion. It is a simple matter of meaning. Whether the earth is the center of the solar system or the sun is the center of the solar system is irrelevant to this verse. A natural reading of this text fits with either position. The meaning of the words tells us this. Why, then, were Christians in the past so confused on this issue? I'm not sure. I speculate that it was because they were enamored with Aristotle's cosmology, and were really wanting to protect this cosmology over everything else. This is evidenced in how often they would appeal to Aristotle instead of to God's word in their reasoning, not just on this issue, but on numerous other issues. But that is speculation, though reasonable speculation. This brings us then to our last objection, young earth science. Many old earthers just simply do not like Younger science. They find the young earth interpretation of the data fraught with errors and with just, you know, ignorance to how science should work. What do you think of that? Well, we need to clarify what is going on in this objection. Young earthers may be inadequate scientists, but that is completely irrelevant to whether the Bible teaches a young earth. It would be irrational for Christians to affirm the plainness of the Bible on on the young earth position, but then to reject the young earth position because the current batch of young earth scientists are seen constantly fumbling around laboratories. Now, having said that, I completely reject this observation of young earth science. Do do you want to talk about distant starlight, the dating of fossils, the dating of rocks, or whatever else you want to bring up in, in this topic? The Young Earth literature is filled with well-crafted arguments on all of these topics and more, and they not only hold their own against Old Earth attacks, but also make many of these attacks look silly. There are numerous Young Earth scientists doing high-quality, reputable scientific research, and their number is growing. Well, this concludes our series on defending Young Earth creation. For more content like this, you can find us on x at underscore language games. See you next time.